You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Useless information. Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. This particular episode is titled Bat Bombs, the Other Secret Weapon, and it was recorded back in late December of 2007 and premiered on January 27th of 2008. It was one of three stories that I recorded in the same day with the anticipation of launching this podcast. Now, this story was originally told in my book Einstein's Refrigerator and Other Stories from the Flip Side of History, which just happened to be the number one most downloaded Kindle book back in July of 2011. Now, I'll warn you that the sound quality of this early recording is not very good. In fact, it's downright awful. Not only was it recorded with one of those cheapo mics that came with my computer, but there's something wrong with the encoding that makes it play slightly faster than it should on some devices. For those reasons, I always tell new listeners to start with the most recent episodes and work backwards from there. But if you've made it this far, this story is totally true, and I have to tell you it's one of my favorites of all time. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, uh, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story happens to be one of my favorites. It's called Bat Bombs. But before I tell you that story, let's start with a question of the day. And my question for you is quite simple. You may recall from uh, high school mathematics that there are 360 degrees in a circle. And my question to you is, why 360? Why not 72 or 97 or 5,372 parts? Why did it divide a circle into 360 parts? And I'm going to leave you in suspense for a while. I will tell you at the end of this podcast what the answer is. I'll let you ponder it over for a little while. And now for our story on bat bombs. The story on bat bombs is actually one that I stumbled across while doing research for my first book, Einstein's Refrigerator, which is a collection of stories just like this. And the story uh, starts on December 7, 1941, which is the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed. And the main character in our story is a guy named Dr. Lytle S. Adams. He was a dentist from Pennsylvania. I'm sure you've never heard of him, and nor does it really even matter. But Doc Adams uh, had been vacationing down in Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, and he heard on the radio about the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And somehow, in his mind, I don't know how, but he made the connection between the bats that he had seen in that cave with the bombs that had been dropped on Pearl Harbor. And he came up with the perfect weapon. He was he knew it was one that couldn't miss. He, he had heard while he was in the caves at Carlsbad that if you cooled bats down, they would actually go into hibernation. I'm talking about living bats. They would actually hibernate. And his idea was to get millions of these bats, millions and millions of them, and actually cool them down so they go into hibernation. Then what you would do is take them in planes and drop them over uh, a targeted city in Japan with little incendiary bombs attached to them. And then as the bats fell from the plane, they would start to warm up. And while they were warming up, 
they would then seek some some shelter, some place dark, and preferably in the roofs of people's homes or maybe in cellars, wherever it may be, some place really, really dark. And a few minutes later, the incendiary bombs would go off. And you got the idea here. You know exactly what's going to happen. He was thinking, if you drop millions of bats and start millions of fires, there's no way that any fire department in the world could ever put this, put, you know, could ever deal with it. There's no way they could ever put this fire out. And uh, this is a crazy idea, which you'd expect to go nowhere. Of course, if it was you and me, it would go nowhere. But it turns out that uh, Doc Adams owned a company called Tri-State Aviation, which is a small little airline. Uh, but eventually it became a big one called U.S. Air. Maybe you've heard of it. And he just happened from time to time to give a ride to Eleanor Roosevelt, the president's wife. So, of course, Doc Adams took advantage of the situation and told Eleanor Roosevelt about this idea he had to drop bats over Japan. She then mentioned it to FDR. FDR then passed it along to the military. And believe it or not, the government spent money and time developing the bat bomb program. They spent millions of dollars on this project. Now, if you had this great idea that you knew was going to bring the enemy to its knees, you'd want to do it in secret, wouldn't you? Well, that's exactly what the government did. They looked for a place that they could develop this bomb and test it where no one else would be around, something you know far away from civilization where no one knows going on. So they chose a new Air Force base that they were building called Carlsbad, uh, Carlsbad Air Force Base. And this space was still in construction, but there were already numerous buildings up, and uh, there was no one around, which was perfect for them. So they decided to test the bats with some uh, little bombs on them and see what would happen. Now, the lead chemist on the project, who happened to have, inv have invented napalm, he was doing a photo op on the ground, and he kind of didn't take into account that the desert heat might warm the bats up a little bit too quickly. Next thing you know, the bats warm up, they fly off, and burn down the buildings on the Air Force base. Brand new base, burned to the ground. Of course, the fire department couldn't get in because it was restricted, and there's nothing they can do. I should also mention that the bomb casing they developed, that they developed for this project was actually made by the Crosby Company, which was owned by Bing and his brother Larry. Not long after the successful testing of the bat bomb idea had uh, taken place, Doc Adams got wind that the government was actually abandoning the project. They were working on a new secret project that he didn't quite get, something to do with dinky little things called atoms. It just really made no sense to him when he had a sure thing like the bat bombs going. Well, of course, we all know where this led to. It led to the atomic bomb prog uh, program, which eventually led to the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima and the end of World War II. Now, I'm sure there are people today who would have preferred that the government actually continued work on the bat bomb project and seen where that would have taken us. Maybe the war would have ended differently. Useless? Useful? Well, I'll leave that for you to decide. And now the answer to our question of the day, which was quite simple. Why are there 360 degrees in a circle? Well, there are actually two reasons, and no one's exactly sure which one came first. The first one has to do with ancient astronomy. Ancient astronomers noticed very, very uh, quickly that if you follow the path of the stars, including the sun, through the sky, they'd eventually return to the original position one year later, which just happened to be about 360 days. Today, of course, we know it's 365 and a quarter if we add that leap year in there, uh, but it's about 360 degrees. But others like to believe that it has to do with early math. In fact, the ancient Babylonians didn't use a base 10 system like we use today. They actually used a base 60 system. And if you think about it, there's 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, and of course 360 degrees in a circle. The beauty of 360 is that it has 24 divisors. Uh, in fact, from 1 to 10, it has every number except 7. 
uh, you can divide 360 by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 24, 30, 36, 40, 45, 60, 72, 90, 120, 180, and of course 360. You can divide 360 by all those numbers and not have any remainder left over. That means you do not end up with a fraction. So if you ask someone for a half of something or a third of something or a quarter of something, they can do it very easily without any dealing in fractions. In fact, the only number between 1 and 10, as I mentioned, that does not go in evenly to 360 is the number 7. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. If you'd like to read more true stories just like it, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. Uh, they're available in bookstores, online, and of course uh, at libraries nationwide. Uh, the first book is called Einstein's Refrigerator and Other True Stories from the Flip Side of History, which you can also, if you search hard enough, find them in Chinese, uh, Korean, and in Greek. Uh, the second book is called Lindbergh's Artificial Heart, which is more fascinating true stories from Einstein's Refrigerator. Both books are written by me, Steve Silverman, and I'd like to thank you very much uh, for spending your time with me. If you would like to contact me for any reason, either complain or offer suggestions or maybe some uh, ideas for news stories, uh, simply drop me an email. And my email address is useless at steve.silverman.name. Again, it's useless at steve.silverman.name. Take care.